I'm more Asian than you. They didn't even touch any of that. And so I just saved all of the effort by, by doing the water. Hey, um, okay. Anyway, um, I, I, at the beginning of today's service, it's Anzac Day, beginning of today's service, uh, we actually took some time um, to honor the soldiers. Um, I'm thankful for what Ivan did. Uh, we are going to take some time in today's service, just before the sermon, we're going to take one minute of silence um, as well, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer um, to remember the soldiers. So if you would join me, uh, we will uh, do one minute of silence, and then I'll pray. If you can put up my sermon slides. Um, I've actually, I, I did a bunch of research and I uh, picked one of the four approved prayers um, that they recommend we pray. And so I'm just going to put it up here because I just thought it, it's fantastic and it's linked into today's message as well. But we'll do one minute uh, of silence and we will start that now. O Lord, lover of souls, who through the mouth of your prophet of all declared that all souls are yours, we thank you for the brave and faithful dead who willingly laid down their lives on the battlefields of war or succumbed to the perils of the deep or of the air. We bless you for the dauntless courage of those defenders of our country who have fallen in the cause of truth and righteousness. In your hand, O oh Father, we leave their departed spirits. Grant us to follow their good example in faithfulness and endurance, even unto death, that we may be with them that we may with them be found worthy of the crown of everlasting life. Amen. You know, it always throws me off to realize that the world that we live in can be a place where such drastic measures 
need to be taken. You would have thought that living on this planet was a relatively simple thing to do. Find some food, you know, place to live. And that, but it, it's a, it throws me off every single time when, when we look at war and we look at the price of war and, and what it is that drives people to want to kill each other. You know, don't, don't you wish, um, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, you're, you're about to find out um, what it's like in my inner world, but don't, don't you wish that there was just like an instruction manual for life? Wouldn't that be just really helpful? Because then you can have an instruction manual that if everybody just followed the instruction manual, then we wouldn't have to like fight all these wars. You know, maybe it was, it, it could be something that's really simple, easy to follow. Let's not make it, you know, too thick or anything with lots of appendices. Just a simple instruction manual for parenting, for being a husband. Give me a book that just says, and this is how you be a good husband or how to be a senior pastor. Manual 101, you know. You know, then you could just follow the instructions and do a reasonably good job. I'm sure there must be millions, if not billions, of men and women who, like, genuinely love their spouse. And so, if there was an instruction manual, and you genuinely loved your spouse, you would just go, oh, hey, if this is all it takes to be a great husband or great wife, here's the instruction manual. I'll just follow the instructions, and... We're all good. You know, just, it'll say something like, just remember to pick up your clothes and uh, tell me every day that you love me or tell your wife every day that you love her. Oh, yeah. Decent instruction manual. I can do that. I might forget every now and then, but it's okay. I've got the instruction manual. I remember pick up my clothes. Okay, great. Tell my wife I love her. I can manage that. You know, something like simple rules for life. I, I've just finished reading Jordan Peterson's second, you know, book. So he's up to like 24 rules of life now, right? The first one, 12 rules, and then the next one, beyond order. Uh, a reasonable read. Uh, not that we agree on everything, but pretty good read. I'm just thinking, wow, if there were simple rules of life, like just, just eat fry kway teow every day. Simple rules of life. You don't need to think about, oh, what am I going to eat tomorrow? Where am I going to? Okay, maybe I'm losing some people here. <laughs> 80% of FJ just tuned out. What do you mean? You eat one thing the whole time. That's what I imagine. Life would be so good if there was just an instruction manual and you could just follow it. You know, today we're, we're continuing on our homegrown series, and we're looking at how do we grow our faith at home. You know, the whole year we're going to be looking at genuine faith starts at home, right? And we've, for many weeks now, if you've been following this series, I want to encourage you to, if you haven't, to go back to, uh, we're in week three now of this series. So go back, Pastor Roland's message last week 
was absolutely um, amazing and foundational. So go back if, you, if you're just joining us, right? But we're trying to tackle this thing where, hey, it's just not enough to have a for-show faith. It's not enough to just have a faith that rocks up on Sunday and you go off and you do whatever you want. Because genuine faith, the faith that God had always intended for us to have, is something that we have or we do when no, nobody's looking, when we're just ourselves. And that's what we're trying to tackle. Today, we're going to look at another crucial piece in this puzzle. We're going to look at scripture, go to the book of Galatians. We're going to look at Jesus and what he says. And we're going to address yet another common misunderstanding in modern Christianity. Uh, we spent a lot of time praying about this as a leadership team and as a staff team. And I personally have been really trying to prayerfully consider how can we... Um, communicate in such a way that we affect the genuine nature of our faith at home so that our series or our Sunday sermons aren't just a little bit of intellectual knowledge and you just go, oh yeah, 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 that was really interesting, so good, and then do nothing about it. Ideally, some part of your life changes or gets affected if we are doing this correctly. So let me see if I can describe for you in modern terms, um, before we open the Bible and before we look at the book of Galatians and Paul's words in Galatians, um, the misconception that I want to talk about today, the common misconception about modern Christian life. For want of a better word, I'm going to call it Christian rules and culture. Christian rules and culture. That was going to be like the thing I wanted to shed a little bit of light on. You know, Uncle Roland said to me on, on Friday, you know what we should do? We should do these sermons and you pick one thing and then you just talk about it to death. Or maybe you didn't say talk about it to death, but I'm going to talk about it to death. You know, I pick one thing so that nobody's confused and we're like, okay, let's pick one thing and let's go. Christian rules and culture. You know, after you've been a Christian for long enough of a time, uh, or even if you are just kind of new to the Christian faith, but now you want to raise a Christian family, you end up turning, I, I find as a pastor, having grown up here in this church even, you end up turning to some kind of a manual, Right? You, you, you end up going, okay, well, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm a Christian. I want to raise a Christian family. H how do I do it? How do I do it? So you, you turn to this secret manual. It's so secret that nobody can actually really agree on exactly what's inside it. So everybody will argue about all the exact rules that are in it. There'll be major denominations all around, right? It's it's, it's this subtle mix. If we're very honest about what this secret instruction manual is to how to live a Christian life, right? If we're, if we're very honest about this instruction manual, it's a subtle mix of Bible, tradition, today's culture, your upbringing, 
all these things will swirl together into this thing that you go, oh my goodness, this is it. I have figured it out. And so you, you figure out things as you grow up in church. You figure out things. I, I grew up in church. You figure it out that, that you, you should come to church every Sunday. But you can miss church if your kids have been invited to a party. That's okay. Once in a while. Uh, you, you should come to church on time. But it's okay to be late as long as you get in before worship ends. Because if you get in after worship ends, everybody looks at you and you're like, ah. It's in the manual, chapter three. So you figure out, you figure out Christian rules and cultures, you navigate your way around the place, you raise your children to say, hello, Uncle Auntie, to the right people. And those other ones who don't want to be called auntie, even though they're pretty old, you don't say hello, auntie. You, you figure out Christian rules and, and culture, right? It turns out, it turns out that it's not very hard to follow. It's actually really doable. It, it makes it, if you can figure out, and oh my goodness, you're going to love this sermon, because if you can figure out the invisible Christian rules and culture manual, you can make it work. It's so manageable. And then you can spend your life paying attention to other things. Because church, God, Christianity, Got it under control. You're good to go. We're, we're fine. Show up at church, pre-order your meal, say hello to Uncle Roland, whatever. You're, go to a Christian education class, go to your home group. We're, we're good, we're good. And turns out it's very easy to do. I've seen heaps of people do it. As a person who grew up in church, I am living testimony that you can pull it off. Honestly, you just, like, honor your parents. Uncle Roland's sermon last week. It's good. It's good. It helps that I had, you know, really great parents. But, you know, I went through a major area of season of my life where I struggled with my parents. But you know what? Grapple with it. Chapter 4. Grapple with it. Sort it out with your parents and end up honoring them. You can do it. Get to Sunday school. Make it to youth group, especially on the combined rally nights. If somebody wins the $100 prize, you can do it. It's not that hard. Show up, eat donuts, jump up and down, leave and go home. I'm sure you can handle it. If this is what Christian life is, let me tell you, 95% of the people sitting here, 95% of the Christians in churches have got it down pat. We have worked it out. You know, I've grown up in FGA, and I can tell you, FGA, we're killing it. 
We are doing this really well. Oh my goodness. We've got people going to classes. We've got people coming to church. Our church is growing. We're two services. They're eating food afterwards. Brilliant. Brilliant. If there was an invisible manual to how to do FGA life, turns out everybody's reading it. So many people are pulling it off. You've got this. You just need to follow the FGA way. The FGA way. You know, have, have many mentors ahead of you that have gone through the tough struggles of life. And then you just, you follow in their footsteps. You do what they do. You don't even need to think about it. Just whatever they did, you do it. My mom did accounting. I did accounting. My daughter's in commerce. Just follow. Follow. The invisible handbook that is out there and everything will work until it doesn't. Until you find yourself being a person who has showed up at church, you brought your kids to church, you've done all the things, and oh my goodness, they now have gone psycho, or they hate you, or, or something's gone really wrong, or you're faithful to God, you're tied all the time, and you just lost your job, you've got, everything will go great until this invisible manual that is promising you all of these things doesn't deliver on what you think it is promising. You are like, oh my goodness. We're now seeing in modern Christianity what actually the church has always seen and what Paul sees. And so, actually today, I'm hoping that we will peer beneath the veneer of shallow faith. In, in case you didn't get my humor or my, my weird sense of starting a sermon, they're all not good things, by the way. The invisible FGA manual, it's not great. It's not great as a substitute for God in your life. It's not great. And I pastor this church. Paul, in fact, goes one step further. And he goes more than it's not great. He's furious. He's furious that somehow an invisible manual has taken over the genuine gospel and that his church is turning to another gospel. So let's open the Bible and find out what he's all worked up about. Let's read, okay? Let's, let's read scripture. I'll try and translate it for you guys. Galatians 2. So we kicked off Galatians 1. I, I don't know if you remember. I read from Galatians 1 two weeks ago. Pastor Roland read from Galatians 3 last week. I'm going to read now from Galatians 2. You could, I know it's a crazy idea, you could go off and read the book of Galatians yourself. Brilliant. In your own time, right? Okay, but here we are, Galatians 2, 15. We're following along. Paul, he's writing to the church in Galatia, right? And he begins, hello, and then he's like, I'm shocked. I'm astonished that you're like abandoning the faith. So he, he begins 
like scolding them. And then he gets to Galatians 2.15 and he tells them why he is scolding them. We ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. What that means is, hey, look, I'm writing to a whole bunch of Christians. I'm, I'm writing to people who, you know, you've been brought up in the ways of God. In fact, maybe it's even your birthright. You feel like you've been born in a Christian home or, or whatever the thing is, right? We ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Yet, yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. That means you're not made right. It doesn't get sorted out by works. Even the Jews know this, and they're like famous for their laws. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and, just in case you're not, just in case you're getting confused, and not by works of the law because, honestly speaking, by works of the law, no one is justified. These are Paul's words right here. But... If in our endeavor, if, we're try, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too will to be found sinners, then is Christ a servant of sin? So what he's saying is, okay, 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 great, great. Works of the law, and I'll explain that a bit later, but works of the law, like, they're not going to save you. So, but what if you just disregard the works of the law, and then you're like, woo, this is so good. I like what Paul is saying. I don't need to be at church, and I don't need to say hello, uncle and auntie, or whatever the thing is right? I can just sin and I can do whatever it is. But he says, just to clarify, just like, if, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, that means in, in our aim to be Christ followers or put our faith in Christ, we too will be found sinners, then is Christ the servant of sin? No, 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 no. Please don't, don't go too, don't go ridiculous. Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, why is he saying rebuild what I tore down? Ah, because these rules, they were actually once upon a time, they were there for a reason. Now we've forgotten the reason and we're just following the rule. So you've got to tear it down. But if we rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. You rebuild up other different rules that your children now need to follow. Don't listen to my grandparents' rules. Here are the new rules. For through the law, which is, by the way, which is where I think we are sitting at in 2021, okay? Because we are not, none of us are grappling with the Hebraic rules found in the Old Testament of what you can eat that is clean and unclean. And like We've come up, as it turns out, with a whole new set of rules. Okay, so that, that's where we are right now. Paul kind of foresees it. Okay, I proved myself to be a transgressor. Oh no. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you could just follow step one, step two in the instruction manual, get to heaven, if you could even pull that off, if there was such a thing, then why would Christ need to die? Oh, foolish FGA Galatians, whatever it is. Who has bewitched you? Is it your uncle? Is it your mother? Your father? Whatever. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And that's what I want to focus on. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, okay, so the church that has been planted at Pentecost through the, the Holy Spirit, right? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul, he's introducing this concept that he's going to call, and I'm going to call today, works of the law. Works of the law. Following the instruction manual, the one that says if every day or whatever it is, the instruction manual. Jesus would ask us to look beyond that veneer, beyond the works of the law. And he would say every time he gets questions about the law, he would actually penetrate further than that. And he would go, what's in your heart? I know what the law says. I don't know what the law says. Let's go deeper than that. You know, as a pastor, let me tell you, um, if your entire faith, your entire encounter with God on any given week or month or year is just... Sunday services. Just the one hour, 45 minutes, or whatever, of Sunday services. You are not going to get enough instruction. You're not going to get enough knowledge. You're not going to get enough insight into what it is to grow more and more like Christ or to get closer to God. You're not. It's, it's like, I was reading this book. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually watch Monty Python way beyond my time, but I was reading this book, and it is a great example, and then I went to YouTube, thank God for YouTube, and Googled the Monty Python skit, which I found very hilarious, um, on how to play a flute. How many of you have ever seen it? Like, the guy gives instructions on how to play a flute. He's like, you blow here, and you move your fingers back and forth here. Done. And you're like, uh, what he's saying is not wrong, but it's not enough necessary information. It's too high level for anybody to actually learn how to play the flute, right? You can't, who, who can play the flute after 
that useless piece of instruction. Blow here, move your fingers out, like. And if all you do is is comprise your Christian walk of 45-minute, tightly packed, neat sermons, it's a little bit like that. A little bit like everything that we say is not wrong. It's not wrong. But can you be a musician? Can you live? Can you live off of just that? I, I don't think so. I don't think anyone can play the flute after that kind of a talk. So, anyway, today I think is either going to be, uh, you're either really going to like the sermon or you're completely not going to get it because it's quite a obscure topic. But I, we need to tackle it because it is one of the big misconceptions of today's modern church. Um, as a segue into the title of today's sermon, and oh my goodness, we're like 20 minutes in and I got to the intro, fantastic intro. Um, but here we go, segue into the title of the sermon, it goes like this, Mike Tyson, oh my goodness, obviously known for his great quotes in life, probably only one. Um, everyone has a plan, every like, Mike Tyson, you know, like, for the kiddies in the room, you know, like famous for his one knockout, like famous for knocking out his opponents, right? Um, maybe also famous for biting people's ear. I don't know. But he's got this famous quote, which goes, everyone is a plan. Oh, yeah, everybody knows exactly what you do. Take your kids to Sunday school. Go to, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Then the plan goes out the window. And the plan goes out the window. And we've been pastoring long enough as a church to see, oh my goodness, just as we're celebrating Anzac Day, our world, this place that we live in, is going to punch you in the mouth. We cannot raise up Christians that can't take a hit. Whose entire plan goes out the window when you lose your job or your parents disappoint you or your pastor is not as friendly as you thought he was or whatever the thing is. That can't be our go-to strategy. So today's topic, sermon topic, is whatever it takes. Ah, brilliant for an ENTP guy like me. The actual sermon topic is whatever it takes. We do whatever it takes. Not just follow this instruction manual that says do one, two, and three. We do whatever it takes. You know, Jesus, so let's go back to Jesus. And why does he, why, why, um, why is it that it leans on like whatever um, it takes. Let's go to Jesus, right? We go back to um, his uh, initial calling of his disciples. You know, he was making disciples. He didn't hand them an instruction manual, by the way. He said, and some of them he just literally met for the first time. He said, follow me. Oh, fo fo follow you. Uh, what are the expectations? Can I just clarify the job description of this role of disciple that I'm following you for? No, no, it's okay. Just follow me. Uh, so what do you want us to do? What do, what do you want to do? Because, you know, I can fish. I can fish. I'm good at walking. Maybe I can carry things. What do you want me to do? 
follow, follow me. In fact, they didn't even know, some of them didn't even know Jesus well enough to exactly understand what he meant by follow me. Yet Jesus invited his disciples and us to a faith and a journey that is uncharted and unpredictable. Uncharted and unpredictable. Turns out, you always need to be looking to Jesus. Like, it's as if when God asks you to pray, he asks you to pray for your daily bread. That every day you need the bread of life. It turns out that you don't really, it's not about like following a road that, or, or following a map that has been printed out for you. And you're just like, oh, hey, hey, Judson, welcome to the faith. Here's the road map for your life. Why don't you go to class one and then go to class two, and then you can be a pastor in like 10 years. It's less about following that road map and more about Walking by the Spirit. Turns out, if you read the book of Galatians, that's what's on view. We, we all have these like subtle roadmaps. I, I was chatting with my wife the other day. We were watching the, not that I recommend it, but we were watching the Shang-Chi trailer for the new Marvel movie that's coming out. You know, and Simo Liu, right? He's the, the Asian star of the thing. Anyway, he tweets with a picture of him being the next Marvel MCU superhero. And he quotes, mother, like what his mother said to him, still not a lawyer. <laughs> because sometimes we have, the <laughs> we have these roadmaps that we're, I don't know, People put on us, we put on ourselves, we're all trying to follow, whatever this roadmap is. But Galatians has a very, very clear, Jesus has a very clear, you follow him, you look to Jesus every day, you are led by the Spirit. And if you take your eyes off of Jesus, you take eyes off of navigating the unknown world that we are in, and you just go, okay, you know what? It's Tesla's autopilot right now. Doom. Now I can watch, you know, movies on my car. Wow, great. I can literally, not that anybody in FJ does this, play games on my mobile phone during Sunday service. And we'll be fine. You can do it if your goal is to survive FGA, which let me tell you right now is very survivable. We just eat a lot of food. You know... <laughs> There are no secondhand, uh, so it says in Galatians 5, um, 16. But I say to you, this is Paul's instruction. I say to you, walk by the Spirit. What? Is that the instruction? Is that? What does that even mean? Where's chapter 3? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, there... You, I'm sure you've heard it said, but there are really, there are no secondhand Christians. You, our walk with God, our, 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 our life with Christ is one that we 
have to do ourselves. And sure, there are people who are going to go ahead of you. They're wiser. You should definitely listen to them. There's people you need to honor. There's wisdom all around you. But we, please listen really carefully. We cannot abdicate to them. We cannot abdicate our genuine faith to Pastor Roland or to your home group leader or to your mom or dad or your friend who's the, the more spiritually mature one. So you don't know what to do. You know, whatever, I just go whatever my friend does. Watching YouTube videos about prayer is not the same as prayer. Okay? Listening to your parents is not the same as listening to the Holy Spirit. There's a difference. And again, I'll say like Paul, it's not, it's not that we're here advocating that you never listen to your parents or you, you don't go to... That's what we're saying. We're saying if you swap it and you build your life on works of the law, that's going to let you down. You know, uh, we had a big uh, family conversation yesterday, actually, a really, really big one, over yum cha, which, let me, big tip for you. I hadn't realized this until yesterday, but when you're having a deep, meaningful, controversial family conversation, don't have it at yum cha. Oh, do you want this? No, my, my, my. Do you want this or do you want this? And then like every two minutes, someone's coming by while you're having this deep conversation. Just, just sit down and somewhere else, but don't yum cha it. Okay, anyway. Um, turns out our kids, and you can have a chat with them, only if you know them. Don't go up to them if you don't know them and like. But our kids have a problem with the way that we parent. Turns out, wow, we need to talk about some stuff. Okay. It turns out there's things that we needed to change if we were to grow as parents. So then the reason why it was a long conversation is we're like, oh, brilliant. We'd love to change. Turns out there's some things we'd like to change in you too. <laughs> and then we've got some problems with the way they kid. <laughs> Great. We're having a discussion. Good. Good. But... We kind of, as a family, we kind of needed to do whatever it takes. We needed to be open to that discussion, to work out day by day. Your marriage doesn't get solved with an instruction manual. You actually need to talk to your wife. You might actually need to, as a husband or a wife, do whatever it takes to make the marriage work. That's, that's how relationships Go. Right? Similarly, we got. So let's talk about some do what it takes, you know, examples. Right? And Paul does this actually at the end of Galatians. If you read the end of Galatians in uh, chapter six onwards, he just, it's seemingly like he just says random, random things. Watch your pride. Don't envy. Um, Give up your constant provoking. Stop like constantly provoking people, right? It's, it's got a long, long list of random things. And then if you read, 
all of Paul's other letters, it seems like other lists of other random things. Until he gets to whatever, he actually says the words whatever. Whatever one sows, you reap. And then he gets to these very big generic words like do, every, do every, everything. Do good to everyone. He uses big words. Why? Why does he use those big words? He doesn't give the one, two, three exact steps. Because what he's trying to encourage you to do is think, how do I apply? What does the spirit look like? Ah, it bears this kind of fruit. So if I'm following the spirit, I should be getting these things. If I'm not getting these things, maybe I'm not being led by the spirit. So what, what are some out-of-the-box Christianity things? Let me ask you. Are you, are you, are you learning? Is, how can you tell if your Christianity is in, in, in a box, if you're just in remote control? Uh, I'll tell you one clue, and I meet some of these Christians. They've been Christians for 10 years, and they've learned nothing new about the Bible, actually. And when I talk to them, all they do is use words that are 20 years old, and when I test them about the word, they don't even know what that word means. Because their entire spiritual formation happened when they were 21. And now they're 65. And it's been that many years since they've done any learning about God's word. Are you learning? Are you growing? Because that might be what it takes. Are you in community where somebody in our church or in your community can rub you the wrong way? so irritates you that you just want to kick them out or end it with them but they are then but they they love God they're sons and daughters of the house and they're growing in you Christ likeness are, are you having holy spirit encounters and i'm not talking about a great service on sunday where there's the atmosphere and the mist machine and the light oh my goodness that's not the holy spirit I'm talking about, do you sometimes cry uncontrollably because the Holy Spirit's convicting you about something in your life? Are you taking action? Or is your faith one of these conceptual, I acknowledge this, yeah, I agree with this, I agree with this, I agree with this, but you actually, you do nothing. And then you say you pray, but you actually don't even pray. Are you pursuing kingdom purposes? You know, I, I think one of the big markers of keeping our faith out of this box, this neat and tidy box that we can put Christianity in with its rules and its culture is actually repentance. That as Christians, if we learn to repent well, then we can catch ourselves falling into some of these traps. So I guess today I want to ask you, what are the limits and the boundaries of your faith? Because today's topic is whatever it takes. But maybe you've made Christianity this very neat and tidy thing. That if you just went to church these many times, if you just did your devotion and whatever, if you just did these things, that's it. But God, you will never ask me to talk to my friend at work. Oh, you'll never ask me to forgive my, my parents. I'll never forgive my parents. Whatever the thing is, what, 
What are the limits and the boundaries of your faith? You know, Jesus, um, I kind of want to end with this parable. Jesus, he tries to explain what his kingdom is like. What is it like to live in the land where Jesus is king? Right? What is that like to follow after him and, and to have Jesus as your Lord? And he says this in Matthew 13, 44 to 45. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. A great treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and he covers it up. And in his joy, the key word here is in his joy. No one is forcing this guy to do anything. In his own joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Or again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of pearls. Oh, and I cut off the rest part. But in search of pearls and he gives up everything to go and get that pearl. What are we saying? What are you saying? Oh, it's, I'm saying it's actually such a mystery. That's why Jesus uses parables. I mean, Jesus says things like, take up your cross and follow me. What does he mean? Think of the worst thing you could possibly do. It's not as bad as taking up your cross to walk up on a hill to be nailed. <laughs> Whatever you just thought of as the worst thing that you hope Jesus never asks you to do. <laughs> Whatever you imagine that would be, I guarantee you it's not as bad as take up your cross. That's pretty full on. So let's pause. This person in this parable is giving up everything willing to do whatever it takes for that treasure or that pearl. And you, I just want to pause for a second. And you might think, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Why is Jesus even asking for such a steep price? This person is selling everything just to get this treasure in a land. And you might think, it is not worth it. But I want to say, if I could help you process this parable, here's how to read this parable. And I think the reason why Jesus said it. The nature of life, and this is whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the nature of life is that you end up having to give it up. The nature of life is that one day we're going to have to give everything up. Surely we understand that, right? That's a given. That's why Jesus doesn't even explain it in his parable. But it's a given. Everybody knew that back in those days when they died young. Sure, you can cling hard to life. You can, you can, you can fight for it with Botox and plastic surgery and leather jackets and whatever it is and you can fight against it but at the end of the day we all know this that it will be wrangled away from us the very nature of life is that we will have to give it up so who will we give up our life to 
right? If you think about time, every day. Every day we're giving about time. Every day. It's just, yeah, yeah, have some time. Yeah, have some time. Time. Right? So, so who are we giving our time to? We can't take our time away with us. We can't take our money, our resources with us. You might think God is not worth it. God is not worth my time, not worth my resources. You might even sit down and you go, he doesn't love me. You might say, God does not love me. This God who made the world that you inhabit, who breathed life into you, who died for you while you were still lost in sin, and who redeemed and reconciled you. Maybe you don't, Maybe you don't, this God, he doesn't love me. It's okay. Because maybe you're on a journey that you need to take. You're very welcome at FJ. I'm glad you're here. The disciples were lost too. They were, they were on a journey. Discovery is actually a very pa- integral part of genuine faith. So it's fine if you're thinking it's not worth it, and maybe God doesn't love you enough to be worth it. But can I, as we close today, can I help you on that journey by at least knocking out some useless alternatives that we can all agree on? All right, can I just knock out some alternatives and then you can do your faith exploration? Because that social media app That Facebook wall or the TikTok feed doesn't love you. That Instagram scroll that you spend your time on, that's not going to be worth trading everything for. Sell it all for Instagram feed. Those computer games that you play that are made by companies don't love you. Even if you haven't figured out that God loves you, I hope we can all agree that some of the things that we are investing our time and our resources into, definitely, definitely, they don't love us. Right? You give your time to them. At the end of the day, you're going to sell all that you have because everybody gives it up anyway. Can you imagine if the sum total of your life was Facebook and social media? Like, that'd be a waste, right? I mean, let's take it even further. Your work doesn't love you. Your work doesn't love you, right? After you leave, I'm pretty sure they'll replace you. But worse still, if you become a burden to them, They're just going to get rid of you. Your hobby, this thing that you're so in love with, that you're so passionate about, you're like, ah, it's okay, I've retired now, I can sell all I have to do this. Disney Lego sets. That is what I'm going to spend my money on. Surely, we can all agree Lego Disney is not God. Lego Disney doesn't love you. Not a good deal. 
to trade your life for that. I think if, if, if you could, I, I understand if you're on a journey and you're, you're, you're trying to figure out God. What we're trying to say is that actually when you see this parable, the average person reads it and goes, wow, it's so costly following Jesus. But Jesus tells this parable so that you can go, wow, this guy's really wise. He's just traded all of this stuff that's useless and man-made and doesn't go anywhere. And he's got for himself something that is eternal. That's what the parable's there for. It's not to be looked at and go, oh my goodness, look at the price this guy's paying for the land, whatever. You're going to lose it anyway. It's like the guy who gets out a Bitcoin before it goes to zero. Okay, I don't have a good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's trading man-made earthly treasures for something that money can't buy. That's why later on, Jesus would say in Matthew 16, he would say, if anyone would come after me, and here is Jesus. If you don't agree with Paul, if you don't agree with me, fine. Let's just listen to Jesus. What does he say genuine faith is like? What, what's it like if you want to be really a disciple of Jesus? If you want to do the Christianity thing for real? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the equivalent, I think, of saying do whatever it takes. For whoever would save his life, let me tell you something everybody already knows. You lose it. You don't have to be a Christian to understand that. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or, if I were to put it another way, says Jesus, what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is a very serious series that we're in right now. Because I'm trying to address, as a church, we're trying to address your genuine faith. Not the FGA instruction manual faith. Because maybe some of you have figured that one out. This is the, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Question that Jesus asks of all of his followers, it will transform your life. Because the wise person makes that choice, trades these things that everybody already knows is not God, is not, doesn't love you, is not worth, and trust God, lets God lead, walks by the Spirit daily, give me, daily, my daily bread. And maybe that's you today. That you're on a crossroads. As we've been doing this series, you've been thinking, oh man, 
I thought I had FGA life figured out, Christian life figured out, but maybe I don't. Because it's been a while since I repented. It's been a while since the Holy Spirit has convicted me to tears. It's been a while since I've learned anything new about this Bible, and I'm pretty sure I don't know everything that is in it. Because maybe your faith has stagnated. Maybe you've settled for works of the law, the just doing of things at FGA instead of the real faith, right? What sits in your life, what sits above what the world has to offer for you? And I think if we are genuine Christians, we're asking that question. I want to give you an opportunity today. Um, While all eyes are closed, um, if you want to rededicate your life to God, if you want to, and maybe you're, you're doing this for the first time, fine. Let's have a chat after the service but right now if if you want to rededicate your life back to God you want to say hey I need to figure out what doing whatever it takes means even I I need to rethink this roadmap the secret instruction book that I've been following because maybe it's not what genuine faith is all about If today you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus, and maybe for some of you it's a rededication to daily follow Jesus, while all eyes are closed, I want you to be courageous enough to stand up. And I'll pray for you. Because I think it is so serious. Otherwise, we're all just wasting time. So that's you, I want you to stand up. I really want to pray for you. As a church, we will pray for you. We'll pray with you. Because it's a battle that all of us need to fight. Right now. Between you and God. That's fine. All eyes closed. Father God, I pray right now for all those who are standing up. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is speaking to them. I pray, Lord God, that you would lead and guide them into these unknown, uncharted waters that are ahead as they place their faith and trust in you. I pray, Lord God, that they will learn to hear your voice, to be led by the Spirit, and to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Be their Lord and their Savior, even right now. Invigorate their walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the service is over, but if you would like prayer, if you'd like some